This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, last month, when the authorities in the United States named the Kinahan cartel, and put a bounty on their heads, a $15 million bounty. It was believed to be a serious setback to the Kinahan cartel. Their father, of course, Christy Kinahan, his son, Christy Jr., and Daniel Kinahan, who is believed to be the person who runs the cartel day-to-day. Yet, the fact that they haven't gone away is evidenced again This week in Kilkenny, 6.9 million euros worth of cannabis was seized. It was one of the biggest seizures of the year. And also this week, two workers at Dublin Airport, not working for the DAA, were arrested and questioned about the seizure of a million pounds worth of cocaine, also linked to the Kinahan. So they haven't gone away and a press conference that the Garda Commissioner, Drew Harris, gave yesterday provided more information, which we'll get to in a moment. But we're joined now by Michael O'Toole, Crime Journalist of the Year and correspondent, Crime Correspondent for the Irish Daily Star. Michael, let's just go to the, the cannabis seizure. 6.9 million seized in Kilkenny and in a warehouse that was specially bought It's interesting, isn't it, that they're dealing in cannabis on that scale, not just cocaine, and that it was based in rural Ireland. Yes, and everybody always associates the Kinnan cartel with cocaine. And I mean, that is their, I suppose that's their main money spinner. But uh, I remember, I think it was around 2009, there was a really massive seizure of cannabis in County in County Kildare, actually. And it was rural County Kildare. It was on a big uh, trailer. And it was the first, major big operation that was focused on the Kinahan cartel as it was. And that seizure led to Operation Shovel, which you may remember even was 2010. So even back then, and that led to this uncovering of the whole Kinahan network, which they said in, in 2010 is worth a billion, it's probably worth a wee bit more now. 
But that was interesting because that was cannabis and that was the, the start of Operation Shovel. So, you know, everybody thinks Kenyans are, are purely cocaine. They're not. I remember speaking to a very senior, Tom Brady in the end when I got a brief and oh got about 10 years ago from a very senior drug squad officer. And he, and he was just talking about drugs, kinds. He said, you know, they're not philosophically or morally wedded to cocaine or cannabis. They're morally wedded to making money. So whatever route they can make to make that money, they will. So if it's cocaine, brilliant. If it's heroin, brilliant. If it's cannabis, brilliant. So it's not as if Kenan goes, right, That it's me and cocaine for life. It's me and money for life. So, But it's, it is just very interesting the way they will go for whatever makes the money. And Kilkenny, just to speak of that briefly for a minute, that was extremely interesting because it really was out of the Kenan playbook. My understanding is uh, two men set up a company earlier this year specifically to bring the drugs into Ireland, we know that they they rented a a, a premises in Kilkenny. The, the the poor people who own the premises obviously were completely unaware of what was going on. I mean, that often happens that innocent people rent out to seemingly bona fide customers. These people had the the, the criminals or the suspects had set up their own company. So, to all intents and purposes, it was a legitimate company, important whatever it was. And if you look back, one of the big seizures, one of the big operations against Kenan was in 2017 um, when there was a, in, in Rathcool in South Dublin there was another warehouse raided and that was being used by the Kenan cartel and they brought the, the guards seized a ma- really really major haul of weapons and a man called Declan Brady who was really central to the Kenan operation. He was one of four, three or four men who received quite lengthy prison sentences over that but essentially uh, that uh, that was linked to the Kenan cartel and they did exactly the same. They set up a private company, used this front to, to, to smuggle in their drugs and their and their farms. So it's the Kenan playbook, and that's what they did in this uh, particular case as well. So, you know, it's not their first rodeo. Now, a month ago, when we learned that the Americans were involved, FBI, serious links established between the Kenahans and Colombian gangs and others, major players internationally, a bounty of $5 million on each of the Kinnahans. It seemed like a, a very serious setback, Michael, and probably was, but these two operations uncovered this week proved that they're still in business and in business in a big way. I have to say I feel slightly vindicated about this, uh, Eamon. A few days after the, the, the big press conference where the the, the five million five million dollar bounty on each of the Christy, Christopher, and yeah. Daniel Kinnan was announced. I was speaking to another someone who's been after Kinnan for quite a long time. Now, obviously, I can't say who it is, but I just said to them, "Look, is this the end of the cartel?" And he said, "Absolutely not. The Kinnans will keep on working with the Colombian cartels, and they'll keep on working with all the major crime gangs because they have the money, and all that matters to beat this drum, all that matters is money." Okay, so. The Colombian, the, the fella said to me, look, the Colombian cartels are used to being under pressure. They're used to Americans going after them. They're used to the Drugs Enforcement Administration in America going after them. They're used yeah. to Premier League stuff, you know, the real top league investigations and top league profits. So, you know, they'll, they, he effectively said that the, the cartels that supply the Kinnahans will effectively shrug this off and they will keep working with them because it's all about money. They say, The person said, as long as Kinnahans, as long as the Kinnahans can keep paying for the product, probably up front because there is this investigation, then they will they will keep getting the product. So 
Look, it, it, you're right, Eamon. It is, it's a massive setback. There's no doubt about this. This is a massive setback for Daniel Kinnan and the rest of his gang. But that doesn't mean that the, the operation dies. I mean, I spoke to a lady called Anna Sergi, who's a, a, an Italian professor in the University of Essex, really, really high respected, real expert on the mafia. And she was, well, we spoke to her about this, and she was saying, you know, it's, it will morph, it will adapt, and it will change if Daniel Kinnan is taken out. If Christopher is taken out, if Christie is taken out, somebody else, it, it's such a big operation that it can't just die. Someone else will step up to the plate. Someone else will take over the reins of power. So, you know, it's almost like, you know, a, a chief executive, one chief executive yes. is goosed, another chief executive comes along because it, it, it's too big to fail, to use yeah, that horrible but phrase. But one, one of the, the problems that people foresaw for the Kinnahans, given the, the nature of the sanctions, was cash. Their bank accounts were frozen, their cards were all blocked, mm. and there were all kinds of sanctions put on them. And it was thought that that would make it difficult for them to, you know, pony up when they had to. Mm. Yes, I think we spoke about this before, Eamon. I, 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 I see where you're coming from, but look, let's where I'm coming from doesn't matter. I don't but, know what I'm, I'm talking about, but well, you do. Well, look, you know, the Kennans have... Public money and private money, shall we say. So they have money in bank yes. accounts under Daniel Kinnan or whatever, right? But you can bet your bottom dollar they have an awful lot of private money that is hard cash, that is in escrow accounts, that is in accounts that nobody has access to. You know, look, I mean, I'm not joking, and I don't want to be like this, but you don't go to the bank and withdraw 10 million quid because you have to give it to whoever no. runs the cartel in <laughs> Colombia. So there are black market, there are black roots and stuff. So look, as my drugs fellow was right, my ex, my senior drugs fellow was right, they've got the money, salted away. It's not all in the local PTSB or the Bank of Ireland in Drumcondra or whatever. So, and it's not even in, if you remember, they suffered major losses on the cryptocurrency. Yeah, the cryptocurrency story, yes. yes. Last not, week. They have they have cash and they have access to cash and they have plenty of people who can mine the money for them. So this is not a you know it's not suddenly that the, the switch has gone on and they have no money and they have to go and go to uh, some charity asking for a few quid. They have access to serious amounts of cash, as is evidenced by this. Yeah, and I mean just before I want to move on to a press briefing given yesterday by Drew Harris, the Garda Commissioner, and the Deputy Commissioner Anne Marie McMahon was with him. And it's a very interesting briefing. Before I go on to that, just to underline the fact that this warehouse in Kilkenny in itself might not be significant, but it is worth saying that every Saturday, Friday, Saturday night, when the kids go out in every village and town in this country, recreational drugs are available and you don't have to try very hard to get them. Yes, Um Many, many, many years ago, a legendary detective, Kevin Carty, he was, uh, he went up, got to the rank of assistant commissioner, but he was in charge of the then Garden National Drugs Unit. And he, he said something, this is, I think this is in the 80s, just before even I started off, and I'm a very old journalist. He said, heroin is available in every village and town in Ireland. Nothing has changed since then. In fact, it has become more available. And cocaine, and as I say before, Eamon, cannabis is Ireland's biggest drug then cocaine, then heroin, in that order. They're all freely available, particularly cannabis, uh, particularly cocaine. So look, it, it's it's not a metropolitan elite thing. It's everywhere. Now, what the Garda Commissioner said yesterday was interesting. He said the Kinahan gang are recognised as major movers on the international stage, which reflects what you've been 
telling us. And he went on to say that the pursuit of the Kinahans will be, and I quote him, relentless and likely to last for years. And that's fascinating. I mean, there has been a determination to get the Kinahans ever since, I think, the Regency Hotel and the Kinahan Hutch feud, which I think saw 18 people murdered. Yes. There is a determination to get them. And Drew Harris expressed that yesterday, didn't he? He did. It, I thought it was really interesting when he... I'm going to use a, a parallel. Do you remember the IRA used to talk about the long war? It yes. wasn't just... I just got the sense that this is going to be a long war. Now, I mean, they, they were after the Kenyans well before 2016. I mentioned Operation Shovel, which is yes, 2010. Okay? Um, they've known about the Kenyans for a long time. You know, it, it effectively started to get really big, I would consider, around 2004, 2005, when they all headed off to Spain and it just exploded. We knew that he was in prison before that and all that stuff, but just really, to, maybe that coincided with the Celtic Tiger. I, I don't know, but they got really, really big. It was just, perhaps it was fortuitous or it was Christie's brain power that he just knew what to do and everything clicked for him. So the guards have been well aware of the Kinnons for a long time. What struck me as in, was interesting there was an acknowledgement by the commissioner that this is not going to, it's going to be sort of like death by a thousand cuts for the Kinnon cartel. There's not going to be one mega explosion. Yes. It's going to be incremental. They're going after their money. Like we know, for example, that there are more than 70 members of the, or associates of the yes. Kinnon cartel in prison, right? We know that the guards have seized millions of euro worth of drugs, millions of euro of cash. We know that they've seized several properties and, and lots, you know, so they're at them. It's a, it's a grinding, it's a grinding war of attrition. That's yeah, effectively what it is. I just quote Drew Harris from yesterday, Michael. He said, quote, We are in the business of degrading the Kinahan organized crime group. We know where they're based. We know their modus operandi. We are on a long route march with our international partners to close down this gang. That's what we're engaged in. And he said, so month to month, it's difficult to say we've made this or that progress. We're thinking in year-long progression. So there is a determination there. And this particular commissioner is quite impressive to my unknowing eye. But he sounds like a serious gentleman. And this idea of, as you were saying, a grind and a long-haul operation is interesting. Yes, and I, I, I thought it was actually very honest. Often, because what he's doing there to me was saying, "Look, don't expect to wake up tomorrow morning and we'll have the whole Kenyan cartel shut down." He's tempering people's expectations, and I think he's actually being honest there. And yes. honesty is is never something that should be decried. It should. Well, he's from be the north. He's more likely well, to get it from the north. Well, there you go. Right. So, <laughs> but you know, so I, I thought that was quite refreshing, rather than just you know bluff and bluster. He said, "Look." It could be a long time, and it will be a long time. It is, as I said, it is a war of attrition, and I think he deserves kudos for letting people know the truth, that it's not going to be, click your fingers and it's gone. No, And maybe that's an indication of how difficult it is, because look, I, you know, as Pat Byrne once told me 20 years ago, there's a difference between knowing something and proving something. So we can all know, and they can know, and they can have their intelligence, but you have to persuade a court and you have to persuade a jury. Just one caveat to that, Michael, which is a special criminal court, where they go, and there you just face three judges. So arguably, and I know that Jerry Hutch, for example, who was apprehended in Spain, is appealing 
the idea that he should go before the special criminal court instead of before a jury of 12 people. And I think to some extent, the special criminal court is something that has been very valuable with the terrorists it's dealt with, and I suppose with with criminals. But there is an issue there that has to be watched, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Uh, Look, speak to any lawyer, speak to any criminal defence lawyer, they wouldn't be the biggest fans of the special criminal court, to put it lightly. But I'll Mm. just point out one thing. The special criminal court acquitted John Gilligan of the murder of Mm. Veronica Gear. Right. So, look, I think it's, look, I'm only pointing that out. I think it's 99% conviction rate. Obviously, a lot of people would have problems with that. But I I always tell people that, listen, I was there for for the, the Gilligan trial. He was convicted of drugs. He was acquitted by the court of the murder of Vonnegut again. Now, I wonder, would a jury have acquitted him? I, I you know, because I always yes. think, and I mean, I might be on, I, I am a minority in this, but when I'm uh, charged with crimes against journalists, I would rather have three judge, knowledgeable judges than members of a jury who might not like the cut of my jib. So, yes. uh, that look, I, I'm in a minority. Barristers and solicitors do not, defence counsel do not like the Special Criminal Court and we know that Amnesty International and other parties are are, are are very, very concerned by it as well. Yes, you're absolutely right. And Sinn Féin, who may well be the leading party in the next government for a long time, are also against the Special Criminal Court for reasons of their own. But in general, we're not disagreeing about that. No, look, it's it's 90, I think it's ninety nine percent. I think a barrister once told yes. me it was ninety nine. No problem at all. Yes, absolutely. And there are people have concerns about that. So yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The other question I want to ask you about, Michael, is the resources the police have to fight 
this cartel and others who are, I note, you know, there's a big feud now between two gangs. Mr. Flashy is on one side of it mm. in Fingus. How resource demanding is it? And Huge. do they have the resources? Because it does seem to me they do remarkable work. The Criminal Assets Bureau, for example, which you referenced a few minutes ago. But you do need, don't you, massive manpower and you need 24 round-the-clock sort of surveillance and that type of thing costs money. I, I, I'm going to be controversial, Eamon. Very few people are put under 24-hour surveillance in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I just think, it, it, I, I, I effectively think it's impossible. I, I don't think it really happens. There are... Yeah. People who are placed under intense surveillance, but see this whole thing about twenty four seven and what it, it yeah. doesn't happen. It, 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 the resources are too like the national surveillance unit. I think most of their teams they've got. I won't say many teams, but there, there's like eight or ten people in that team, and there's several teams on on a day. When you think about it, it's extremely yes. resource intensive just to follow yes. because I mean, I, I I've rather amateurishly followed people and done surveillance and I do and we do stakeouts ourselves. Let me tell you, if you somebody sat outside your house, Eamon, how long would it take for them for you to spot them? So it's an art. I mean I've been spotted within five or ten minutes and you know yes. so it, it's an art and it's extremely resource intensive. Look, there's no there's no secret to this, Eamon. Placing at that end is extremely resource intensive. You speak to any police officer, they'll, they'll always say they always say the same thing, I will never turn down resources. Right. So look One issue that I will talk about, frontline policing, it's uniform policing, it's community policing, it's guards knocking on doors, doing checkpoints, helping you with your shopping and all that sort of stuff. There is a concern that a lot of resources have gone, been put into things like the Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, Criminal Assets Bureau, the Garda National Bureau of Criminal Investigation, all the alphabets, right? But yes. that those resources have to come from the what the the, the guards call the regular, in other words, the uniform policing units. So when she, when when you point ten more people to the to Doc B, the Drugs and Organised Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau, they come from uniform guardy or detective units or ordinary units. So there is a concern that look. They need those resources, but those resources are coming from ordinary policing. So that means that the regular is is losing its number of officers as well. Look, the guards are always crying out for more people. I, I've never met a guard who has been happy with the number of people that they have. No, it, it's just that if you are aware, as we've discussed earlier in our conversation, Michael, the fact that this these drugs are in every town and village, mm-hmm. kids, teenagers, maybe on their Deb's night or maybe on after exams or whatever are going out sticking this stuff into their body, perhaps getting a habit. They're the children of, you know, ordinary people. And they they're as vulnerable as anyone else to drugs that are freely available. That is a problem for the whole of society, rather than a problem for, as it's often thought of, people living in the inner city, for example, where these gangs originated. I was speaking to uh, someone in the re- in recent days, quite a, uh, uh, what's the word, respectful member of society, and I, and I was telling him the job I do, and he was telling me uh, about drugs, and he had to, uh, essentially, he had to ask a family member to leave because he had become right. involved in drugs. Yeah. So that, you know, it'd be a business person. So yes. it's everywhere. It is. I mean, look, there's a whole question about legalization, and everybody has their own views on that. Uh, I might be a bit more liberal than others, and that for me, it's a health issue. There are two issues. There's the criminality aspect. That there, there, there's the health issue. People need help. So, 
you know, there is no question of decriminalization. Whatever you want to say, right? Yeah, no, I, look, I, it is I, largely a health issue. I've, ar- I've argued that and I agree with it to a large extent, but there aren't any good examples existing, are there? I mean, the Dutch tried it and it didn't really work, did it? No, I mean, no, I mean, people talk about Portugal. I haven't researched that much, but if, if, if good, as you say, Amsterdam, there's a problem in Amsterdam. There are, from what I read, there is a sort of kickback against the decriminalization there because it is causing so many problems. You know what? That That is way above my pay scale. I, I, I fully understand where people are coming. I can see both sides of the argument, unfortunately, because there are people who are, as I say, it's a health issue. There's no doubt this is a health issue, but there is a massive aspect of criminality to this. Let me give you an example. Um, someone becomes an addict, robs to feed their addiction. Will they stop robbing to feed their addiction if drugs are decriminalized? No. I personally doubt it myself, but no. look, that let, we'll leave that to the experts. Just let me ask you a final question, Michael, about the airport workers, and I stress they were not working for the DAA, but the possibility and the probability that there are people who are willing to help the Kinnans and other drug gangs to store their stuff and provide services, as it were. There's no shortage of people to do it, apparently. No, absolutely not. In this case, nobody's been charged. We're, we're, we're okay in this case. Yeah. Maybe, but look, the suspicion is these people, as you say, they didn't work, they weren't DAA employees, but they did have airside passes. They, yes. they could get airside and that was why they were of interest to this gang. So there was 15 kilograms of cocaine, 1.1 million seized in this operation. The German uh, law enforcement had been involved. If the, the information effectively came from the Germans, this appears to have been a route. I was talking to one source who was saying, you know, that was seized, but the belief and the suspicion is that there were other consignments that got through. So look, it's 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 very lucrative for some people and it's it's a way of getting the drugs into Ireland and you know if you breach the security of Dublin Airport then that's obviously very beneficial to drugs gangs. So it's an area of concern. And that's why I think the guards took this so seriously and revenue took so I mean it was a it was a pretty major operation because they were very concerned about someone using the airport in this way and use abusing the position of trust or allegedly that they had in the airport to, to help bring these drugs in. So it is an area of concern. Okay, Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Michael O'Toole is the Crime Journalist of the Year. He's a crime correspondent for the Irish Daily Star. We're very grateful to him, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.